Okay, at this time, we have the privilege of hearing from Mr. Ken Barton, and his message is entitled, Could We Use Some Kind of Therapy? Good to work on ourselves, right? I've been trying to build my vocabulary a little bit. I was talking to an old engineering fellow that I know and asked him what he was working on these days, and he replied he was working on aquathermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under a constrained environment. I was impressed. Then I found out what he was doing was washing the dishes in hot water while his wife was supervising him. <laughs> Sounds a lot better that way, though. <clears throat> so could we use some therapy? We're starting a new year, according to the calendars, and some would say it's time for new resolutions. Yeah, I don't even have to look at this side. I can... I'm not going to ask if anybody has come up with any new resolutions uh, or, you know, how successful they are with them. Uh, but there are, I think, some good, that can, uh, good ones that we can usually make, and there's some good uh, that can be gained by working on ourselves. I believe we can make gains physically, spiritually, emotionally, through different kinds of exercises. Obviously, there's different exercises <clears throat> for each area, right? But, too, I believe that even just physical exercise can result in gains in all of these areas. As we exercise, we gain physical strength, have better circulation, stronger hearts, we also experience better emotional well-being, they tell me. You know, usually the well-being is being able to pull yourself over to the chair and sit back down. Anyway, just this week I've finished my recent bout with uh, physical therapy due to the little further back recent bout with COVID pneumonia. And I've been listening also to a CD from David, Dr. David Antion titled Fight, War, Resist. It's a very good message about why we're here and why we act the way we do sometimes. And I'm going to read uh, a little bit of, of scripture starting in Genesis chapter 1 and 36 through 38. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and, he create, and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God, 
And that was in the New King James Version. The King James Version has that verse as, God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we're supposed to be fruitful here on the earth and multiply, aren't we? But to what extent? Right? And God gave us the limit until it's full or replenished, depending on how you want to look at it. But wait. We're already overcrowded, aren't we? I mean, don't we? We don't have the right to rule over animals, do we? That's the worldly vision, right? Worldly wisdom being spread and being accepted and scaring a lot of us folks that have a brain. Anyway, This is where we can utilize one of the greatest tools God has ever given us, any given, and that's our brain. We can utilize that tool to do some of that critical thinking that schools of higher education brag and claim to be teaching. So let's try that just on this because there's obviously two in my opinion, different theories here. Theory one, and one I prefer, God has created us and has promised us that he will prosper us if we believe and obey him. So, since we have been given the task to fill the earth and subdue it, that's what we should do. After all, it's my understanding that that is the reason God confounded the language at Babel because the people had refused to spread out over the earth. They wanted to stay right there, right? And and make their own megalopolis. I don't know if megalopolis was a word back then, but anyway. So theory two is what that brings us to. We don't need to obey God. Just rely on our own understanding figure out what we think we should do to deal with what we think might happen. See, there are people that think they're so, we're so overpopulated, you know, that that all the food's going to go away and we're messing everything up and the world's going to get too hot or too cold, depending on what the weather's doing. <clears throat> and, and so we need to get in there and fix things. <clears throat> My understanding is we are to believe God. So the thing is, I, this is my outlook on this globe that we're running around on here. It's our training ground. And that's what we're supposed to be doing is training according to God's orders. Um, Possibly not everybody here has, I know I was never in the military. My father was in the army twice, once a good while before I was born and then once after. But 
Have you ever been or driven been in or driven by a military installation like a, a Fort Fort Ord was where my dad did his second hitch, which stands for Overseas Replacement Depot because they had this wonderful <clears throat> party getting started up overseas. But anyway, um, have you ever looked at a, at a military post where new recruits go? It's big, for one thing, because they have to do a, well, I have a bunch of people there, and they have to do a bunch of different things. And they're going to train this group in this, this group in this, this group in this, and this group that's going to be shooting big projectile things way over there. So they have to be large. And they have to be able to handle any and everything that's going to be needed for this training, right? Guess what? Earth's our training ground. And it's big. And it's pretty much got everything that we're going to need for our training. This is my opinion, but I like it. You're, you're welcome to come up to me later and say, let me explain something to you. But anyway, I believe that when God created everything, and I mean everything that exists, he had more in mind than just this third planet from this sun being the center and total of all creative activity from here on out. <clears throat> but I do think that he gave us this planet, this solar system, to train on. He gave us a drive within ourselves to learn, to seek the unknown and discover and conquer what's out there. Again, let's go back. Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, everything that creeps on the earth. Let them have dominion. That means rule. <clears throat> so it's in us. God built it in us to want to go figure these things out and learn how to control them, learn how to deal with them. <clears throat> In this CD that we, I've been listening to, Glenda and I, uh, it makes a great point about what happens when we try to do what we think ought to be done, as opposed to what God has set up. Because sometimes people think God needs help. And sometimes, I'll admit, we do learn things and how to help on different things like polio and whatever. But one of the things I found out some time back about polio, do you know what really brought about the big polio uh, epidemic in the, in the 40s and 50s, 30s and 40s and 50s? What allowed it was cleanliness. we had come up with clean water, sanitary conditions, and it was really pushed 
and I didn't make this up, this was actually somebody, a doctor with brains. Uh, <clears throat> but he's, what happened was, you know, the, the thing about wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Wash everything, boil everything, clean everything. And our immune system got weak. Prior to that, people didn't really consider polio to be much more of a problem than a cold. There were, you know, uh, cases of paralysis and stuff, but not that many and, and not that many that died from it. But because our immune system had weakened so much that when it started up again, we weren't able, our immune systems weren't able to deal with them, okay? So it's one of the things that Dr. Antion really points out is that uh, if we kill off everything, our, our, our immune system is part of us and it's got the same attitude, okay? The, our immune system is designed to be active and to be on guard all the time and to find things that are invading our body and take care of it, okay? So what happens if you clean everything up and there is nothing for the immune system to fight? It'll find something. Now since it's pretty much, my immune system is pretty much limited to me. My immune system's not really going to bother anybody else. So my immune system is going to fight, if it can't find anything else, me. And that's why all of these autoimmune disorders are causing so much problem. Our immune system's looking for something to attack. And so it attacks our intestines, and we get leaky gut syndrome and other things like that. So, you know, I, how many of you have heard of, of uh, James Harriet, the author of all things small and wonderful, and he's got like five books, okay? It was in 37, 1937, he was a, a veterinarian in Scotland and wrote books about his experiences and one of the things that he noted was that there was this guy that, that if the farmers had an animal, cow or whatever, that died, they called this guy and he would come and haul it off, take it home and dump it in his yard to do with the, the carcasses, whatever he was going to do with them. And his kids played on those things like they were the, they were the playground. They'd climb all over his dead animals and stuff and never got sick. He said, this ought to tell you something. If, the, if, you know, if these kids are playing on this, this is Dr. Harriet speaking, uh, that, that if these kids are playing on stuff that everybody else figures, oh, no, that's going to get you sick, and they're never getting sick, maybe their immune systems are, are really strong. Here's another thing that Dr. Annie had pointed out that I agree with. 
that strong drive to conquer and subdue. We all have it. Men have it, women have it. Women mostly have it to conquer and subdue that man. But anyway, uh, how are we going to fulfill God's command to fill the earth and subdue it if we don't have a strong drive to do that? And God probably knew that we, you know, weren't always the best in taking orders and going with them to completion, so he gave us a drive that would help us to do that. <clears throat> there is a problem uh, that we can conquer and subdue the wrong thing. And I kind of agree with Dr. Antin, and uh, you know what? The best goal, target for me, myself, to conquer and subdue is me, myself. You know, just think if, if instead of worrying about what everybody else is doing and whether or not they're doing it right according to what I think, if I just started worrying about me, myself, and whether or not I was doing everything I was supposed to be do, doing right according to God, I might could be able to do a lot better. If we could work on fixing our own faults and fallacies instead of those around us, you know, who'd be getting stronger? All of us. <clears throat> I read an article about basketball superstar Michael Jordan and what he would regularly do that made him so great. You know what he'd do? He'd watch game film. And you know who he'd focus on? Michael Jordan. Find out what he was doing wrong, why he was missing shots, or whatever it was that he was doing that he felt could improve, could be improved on, and he would improve on that. <clears throat> I'm sure that there were times in there that he was noticing what other players were doing that he could maybe capitalize on. But his main focus was Michael Jordan. <clears throat> it's studying on the problems that we're experiencing that allow us to correct them, don't you think? Which brings me back to the title. Could we use some therapy? I think many times we have a need for some spiritual therapy. I know I do. The reason I needed physical therapy was because I'd been in a hospital bed for nine days and not been physically active for a few days before that and after that, and it had weakened me. I'd lost about 10 pounds, and I didn't really have any fat to lose, so it just, I lost muscle. So I got to thinking about how we can get in that same state spiritually as well, becoming weak and lethargic in our spiritual strength and abilities. Now, don't raise your hands, uh, but ask yourself, am I really happy with my spiritual life? That, you know, I really don't need any improvement in how I serve God, <clears throat> how I study his word, and possibly, you know, how I share him with others. Because that's one of the things God sent us out here to do, was to tell them, everybody about what God has in mind for us. <clears throat> I'm, I know for a fact that I can do better to improve 
my effort to learn more and do more. I've been considering that and thinking about uh, ways to improve and opportunities. For instance, the men's Bible study that we're looking at doing uh, and the women's Bible studies that they've been conducting for a while. Ways to improve, right? I'm certain that Orville and Wilbur Wright did just that thing. They studied what they'd learned, learned from what they could from other people that were trying to figure out how this flight thing works. And so they'd focus on it. They'd keep working on it. And got better and better, okay? And I've lost a page. But anyway, they Well, let's go to a different, I, I actually hadn't. How do you think the boat industry got started? How's this for taking a serious right turn off of the, this is my thought. This is Sky, and he's trying to figure out how to get from here to there on this river, and he sees this log floating all by itself going down the river. And he thinks, hmm, I wonder if that log would support me if I got on it and take me with it down the river, and that way I wouldn't have to swim all that way, and I wouldn't have to walk all that way. So he tried it, and it probably worked. And he thought, hmm, I wonder if I could figure out a way to put more stuff on this than just me, things that I want to take down. So he figured out how to tie a couple of them together or make a canoe out of them, or whatever. And I'm sure it wasn't just this one guy. It was men and women all over the world that happened to be by a body of water, OK? And then came the flood, of course. And luckily, they had some pretty good boat technology by then. And of course, God, the one that really knows all about it, was helping them out. And so they were able to survive the flood. But after that, all of that knowledge probably pretty much went away because nobody really hung around the ark anymore. It was stuck up on that mountain. So it started over again. While that was going on, there's also people that was watching the birds soar and the eagles soar and wondering about about that. How could I do that? That looks like fun. So here comes Orville and Wilbur. Just think what it took for such gains in technology just to do that. They were the first ones to fly a plane that had control over all three axes. axes. Okay, this way, this way, and this way. There had been probably some other heavier-than-aircraft that had flown, but not with as good control. But in, on December 17th, 1903, the Wright brothers made their first successful flight, four of them on that day, actually, in a heavier-than-air aircraft. 
ever since then, things have been getting a little better. I'm pretty sure that they kept trying to get theirs better. So they've come up with better construction materials, better engines, better propellers, jets, and rockets. They even have a plane that flew all the way around the world with only the sun for power. Now, it wasn't very fast, right? And it didn't carry much more than the pilot and all the computer stuff in it and the solar panels on top of it. But hey, that would pretty much describe the Wright brothers' first plane, wouldn't it? Wasn't very fast, didn't carry much. So the time frame of how fast technology spans has greatly changed, okay? It was over 5,000 years after Adam and Eve before that first flight by the Wright brothers. You know how long it took from that flight to the man walking on the moon? 65 and a half years. <clears throat> I remember the time when, when man was first in the rockets. You know, they'd go up just out of the, out of the atmosphere and then come back down somewhere in the middle of the ocean and hopefully, you know, and thankfully they had enough sailors sitting around scanning for this thing to come down and they'd catch them. And every time that happened, everybody in the United States that could was watching the television see this. I mean, it was great stuff, right? Classrooms, all the students would go watch that. People all over the world glued to TVs. And then on July 16th, 1969, Neil Armstrong took a big step, right? Big step for a man, giant leap for mankind. Then it became blasé. Yeah, they're launching another deal. They're going to the moon. Whatever, you know. In 1969, Russia linked a couple of spaceships together, made the first space station. And then they actually launched uh, Salyut 1, the first real space station. And then May 14, 1973, the USA launched Skylab. And ever since then, things are getting more impressive. We now have the International Space Station up there. <clears throat> now the space station's kind of people aren't that impressed, but now we're getting we've got a rover on Mars, right? And pictures coming back that they can paste into a motion picture and show us on these beautiful colors. A whole lot better than the first pictures from the moon, you know. And then they came up with this thing called uh Hubble telescope. I don't know if we can. Do you have any pictures of that? Were you able to get that? There we go. I mean, there's some stuff that's just 
massively, in my opinion, beautiful. Uh, okay. I guess we'll go with that. There we go. That one's called the lightsaber. And all of these, by the way, are copyrighted by Hubble. <clears throat> I like that one. It's just—it's called an eagle. It's just impressive to me. That's Mars. And this picture, they focused Hubble way out at something that said was this, if you held a pin, the head of a pin at the end of your arm, that's how big this was. And look at all the galaxies in that. Now they're going to put out, and that's Saturn. They're going to put out, let me see if I can find the name of that, James Webb Space Telescope. It it's, was launched on Christmas Day, 30, 25th of December this year. And just like three days ago, it started spreading out its thing to gather power, and they're going to open up the uh, mirror, which is 100 times bigger than the Hubble. To me, I didn't like the pictures that they said it's going to send back because it sees so much more that it gets kind of crowded. But then I'm not a scientist, and I don't know what I'm looking at. But the thing is, after Christ returned and after the millennium, and when we've got a whole bunch of spirit beings that are ready to really go out there and start to conquer and subdue, they're going to have something to conquer and subdue with. So, I, you know, I used to kind of wonder why we were wasting all this money on space travel. What was the drive? Why put out all this money into it? It's training, folks. God sent us to learn all this stuff, and we've actually been learning it. Pretty good. In order to get there, because whenever we do this, start spreading out. You know, look how long it takes just to get to Mars at this point in time. So it's going to take a long time to actually get a lot of these projects done. A long time. Going to need a long lifespan. I'm thinking eternal would probably work. So in order to get there, I think we would do well to build our spiritual strength through our living for God and service to him. It may take us some time, but I'm certain that he can definitely get us there, right? And wow, what a difference at that time that that will make.